Good morning and welcome in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our service is printed there in the bulletins for you, Divine Service Setting 4. Please stand as you are able for our processional hymn, Come Thou Almighty King. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Our help is in the name of the Lord. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Since we are gathered to hear God's word, call upon him in prayer and praise, and receive the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the fellowship of this altar, let us first consider our unworthiness. And confess before God and one another that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed, and that we cannot free ourselves from our sinful condition. Together as his people, let us take refuge in the infinite mercy of God, our Heavenly Father, seeking his grace for the sake of Christ, and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We pray together, Almighty God, have mercy upon us, forgive us our sins, and lead us to everlasting life. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. 
As a called and ordained servant of Christ and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by your gift alone, your faithful people render true and laudable service. Help us steadfastly to live in this life according to your promises, and finally attain your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the twelfth Sunday after Trinity is from Isaiah chapter 29. Is it not yet a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field, and the fruitful field shall be regarded as a forest? In that day the deaf shall hear the words of a book, and out of their gloom and darkness the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exalt the Holy One of Israel. For the ruthless shall come to nothing, and the scoffers cease, and all who watch to do evil shall be cut off, who by a word make a man out to be an offender, and lay a snare for him who reproves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the night, who is in the right. Therefore, thus says the Lord who redeemed Abraham concerning the house of Jacob, Jacob shall no more be ashamed, no more shall his face grow pale, for when he sees his children, the work of my hands in his midst, they will sanctify my name, and they will sanctify the Holy One of Jacob, and will stand in awe of the God of Israel. And those who go astray in spirit will come to understanding, and those who mourn will accept instruction. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God.
The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ Jesus toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that, has surpassed, that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephetha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened. His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus char charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is the gospel of our Lord. The Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. 
And the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Jesus. There he is. Do you see him? 
Sure you do. However you pretend not to, as if he doesn't exist, you call him a misfit, an oddball, goofy, all because he bears and suffers in his body the ravaging effects of a fallen, wrecked world that sadly began with Adam and Eve's wanting to be like God and rebelliously not being content to be creatures with ears to trust God's word, with tongues to proclaim his praise. So there he is. This poor creature can't hear. In addition, he can't talk. And when he tries to communicate, it's, it's clumsy, it's gawky, it's uncoordinated, shrill, Quasimodo-like groans and moans, all because his tongue and his ears don't work. His ears and his mouth are damaged goods. Awkward. A total embarrassment. He has no education, no job, no life skills. His hands and fingernails are grimy. His clothes are grubby, filthy, and smelly. And you just die if someone saw you with him. What would your friends think? Your family? So you avoid him like the plague. You'd never invite him over for a beer or for supper. You'd by no means have him over to play pitch or pinnacle with the card club. And if he showed up on Sunday, you would make sure that there's blue tape everywhere. You'd have the ushers, the elders, show him the door. No seat for you. But if the deaf-mute man was rich, had the right clothes and a gold ring on his finger, you'd probably cut him some slack. It'd be a different story, wouldn't it? But he doesn't. In your eyes, he's pathetic, a loser. So you discriminate. You show partiality, favoritism, preferential treatment as if you're better. As if you're a little divinity compared to him. Some people you think are less equal than others and, well, the devil can have him for all you care. Pastor Isaiah, in our Old Testament reading, diagnoses you and me well. He CAT scans us, MRIs us. You, Scripture says, are ruthless as a sinner. You are a scoffer. You turn aside all who are different and you believe you are right above everyone else. Listen again. The ruthless shall come to nothing. The scoffer cease. All who watch to do evil shall be cut off. And for your unloving, discriminatory thoughts and actions against your neighbor, you must repent. You must repent and believe that Jesus has died for you and for all your sin. You say you have faith, but where are your works? Why don't you take care of your neighbor who is in need Do you believe in Jesus or don't you? You see, faith in Jesus always bears fruit. The fruit of love, the greatest of all of them. And love means sacrificially taking care of others, no matter what their needs. Thankfully, this deaf, mute man had some faithful and loving friends that look out for him.
incredibly, they, they gather him up, they carry him to the preacher from Nazareth, to Jesus. And that's faith. And it's faith that is entirely passive. For we are nothing but beggars before the Lord Jesus. And so with nothing to bargain with, we are told that they begged Jesus. They begged Him to lay His hand on Him, this deaf and mute man. You see, the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, He doesn't discriminate. He doesn't show favoritism. He has come to establish and reveal the kingdom of heaven on earth, just as Isaiah prophesied a long time ago. For who? For all. Consequently, the Lord Jesus is totally for this poor, bound in Satan's chains, deaf-mute man. Lord Jesus is fully there for this poor, genetically marred man that suffers so much because he, like all of you, has inherited Adam's original sin. And Lord Jesus, your Savior, will not let Satan, he will not let Adam sin, he will not let the wrecked inherent results of a fallen creation stop him from redeeming and restoring his fallen creatures. So Jesus takes this man aside. Did you catch that? Away from the crowds. Jesus is not a Las Vegas nightclub act. He's not a Jimmy Kimmel, a Conan O'Brien, or a Jimmy Fallon. He's not a Penn & Teller, Chris Angel, David Copperfield, David Blaine, or a Harry Houdini. Jesus is the Lord. He is God in the flesh. And He's come to do a kingdom of God. To defeat Satan. To forgive sin. To redeem and restore His creation. Consequently, this deaf-mute man is very precious to our Lord Jesus, so dear to Him. Jesus becomes Lord for Him with everything that He has and all that He has. And Jesus now communicates that He is Lord for this man, this man that you often ignore in ways that only a deaf-mute would understand. Jesus pokes His fingers into His broken ears. He spits and grabs the man's bound tongue with his divine hand, covered with his divine mouthy discharge, and the actions speak loudly and clearly. Jesus says, I'm here to help you. I'm here to fix your ears and tongue. I'm here to break you out of prison, man. I'm busting you loose. Um, I've come to set you free from Satan's penitentiary. There's a new Lord in town, and it's me. And I'm going to take care of you. And then, Jesus looks up to heaven. This illustrates that our dear Lord Jesus is the chosen Savior sent by the Father who alone can help the man. Did you catch that? Your dear Lord Jesus is the one sent from your Father above to help you. Him and only Him. And then Jesus releases a deep sigh. A better translation from our text is an intense groan. 
That's the same word that St. Paul uses about how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness from Romans 8.26, literal translation, that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us through wordless groans. Had any groans lately? It's at that point that the Lord Jesus fingers, spit, look to heaven, and intense groaning now uses His divine word and that's what He is. And it's a godly command. Jesus isn't mute. He speaks authoritatively, and not in German, not in English, but of all languages, He speaks Aramaic. And it's a one-word sermon, Ephetha. And it means, be opened. You see, His Word does exactly what it says. It gives precisely what it says. It says unerringly what it gives. The divine Ephetha is just like the divine Genesis 1. Let there be light. In the beginning, God creates by His Word. When He redeems and recreates His fallen creation, He does it through His spoken Word. That's how He operates. And so with the Lord Jesus, Ephetha, a broken creature, is now restored. A fallen creature is now redeemed. And when the Lord Jesus speaks this be-opened word, Ephetha, we're told the man's ears were opened. He's now able to hear and hang on to every word that comes from the Lord's mouth. He lives by faith, trusting only in Jesus like us creatures are supposed to do, like it was in the beginning. You see, with this be-opened word, Ephetha, the man's tongue was loosed, and he began to speak plainly or rightly. Or rather, as the Greek says, orkos. Orkos is where the word orthodoxy comes from. Orthos means right, doxy, praise, glory. So it's not just that the man's mouth works, it's much more than that. Now his mouth speaks orthodoxly, faithfully. His mouth now confesses, praises, and glorifies his Lord Jesus, who has come for him and for you. His mouth now confesses truly who Jesus is, which is exactly what a creature that lives by faith is supposed to do, like it was in the beginning. No surprise then that the people, in their sheer astonishment, their amazement, their overwhelmment, now blurt off the truth, He, Lord Jesus, does everything well. Wow. And that sounds so much like Genesis, right? In the beginning, Genesis 1.31, God saw all that He had made and it was very good. But how often you think the good is gone? How often you have your groanings, your deep signs, all is lost, you think. But Jesus hasn't just come for this deaf-mute man. He's come for you too. Lord Jesus has done everything well for you. Lord Jesus is God for you, and you are very precious in His sight. And He's taken you aside to be this Savior for you. And boy, how you and I need Him. Rebelliously, we don't want to be a creature of God. That's the sinner in us. We become bullish. We become our own little divinities. And when we do so, our ears don't work. Our ears don't listen to God's Word. 
We stuff them instead full of our own words or whoever we put up on a pedestal to believe and follow. We plug them chock full of our own self-justifying sermons and our tongue becomes twisted and tied because our tongues start to only talk about itself and about ourself. Thus, self-justification is our sin. Before the deafs and mutes of this world, before those we look down upon, before the Almighty God, we do all this and we act as if we were God. But Lord Jesus doesn't turn away from you. Instead, Lord Jesus came to save you from yourself, to heal you, to redeem you from the idolatry of the self, to rescue you from the satanic slavery of always having the devilish desire to be little gods, and He's given you the greatest gift of all, salvation. Lord Jesus pokes His Good Friday word of forgiveness into your ears every Sunday. He puts His absolving words into your mouth with His most holy body and blood in the Lord's Supper. And for most of you, He took you into His blood-stained Good Friday hands and washed your entire body in His own red divine blood from the cross water of holy baptism. And He put His saving name on you. He marked you with the sign of the Holy Cross the Good Friday death of His that saves you. And in your baptism, He preached to you that one-word sermon again, Ephetha. And guess what? His Ephetha did what it said. You were born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You now, as you live daily in your baptism, are a believer, a disciple. You're not God. You're a creature. You're a new creation in Lord Jesus. That means that you are satisfied to live by faith. That is to say, content to have creaturely ears and mouths that are redeemed and restored. Ears that gladly listen, not to your own words, but to Lord Jesus' words. Mouths in turn that give their... Amen. And thanks be to God for all of His Good Friday saving, all of His Good Friday salvific benefits given in His Word and sacraments. And so now, now that your ears and mouths, your entire bodies and souls have been salvationally faithed by Good Friday's forgiveness, Lord Jesus has good use for you as His creatures. Now is the time Now is the content-to-be-God's-creature time to lovingly use your ears, your mouths, and your bodies to help those in need. You see, faith in Jesus for salvation gives birth to sacrificial giving of yourselves in this world for others. Works of love for the sake of your neighbor. Not sure what those are? Review your small catechism. The explanation to commandments 4 through 10 and the table of duties, I promise you, you'll have enough loving for the sake of others' works to do for the rest of your life. But they are works that flow from faith in Jesus, works for this world that it desperately needs, works done simply for the sake of your family, friends, community, and congregation because their needs contain the proper places and boundaries for love. Lives lived, not for yourselves, but outwardly and indiscriminately for the benefit of others. 
This is the Lord's very good use of you. Since you have been crucified with Christ, Scripture tells us it is no longer you who lives, but the Lord Jesus who lives in you. He uses you as his instrument to do everything well in this earthly life, just like it was in the very beginning. Thus we read from the very end of our Bibles, from the book of Revelation, Behold, he says, I am making all things new. That's right. The deaf, the mute, the ruthless, and the scoffer, he is still making all things new, regardless of what you hear, see, taste, or touch. He makes all things new. Such is the confidence we have through Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Gracious Heavenly Father, open our ears to receive your word and our mouths to receive your holy food. Turn us from all false doctrine whereby your holy name is blasphemed and profaned. Give ear to our prayers for mercy and forgive our sins for the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Fill your vineyard with faithful laborers, O Lord. Bless them with your wisdom that they would be faithful stewards of your mysteries, making known your gracious visitation in the holy word and sacraments, which deliver eternal salvation to those who hear and receive faith. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Defend your church throughout the world, O Lord. Give strength to our brothers and sisters in Christ who experience persecution and turn the hearts of our enemies that they would be brought to repentance and faith and joined to the fellowship of all believers. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Give us hearts to recognize that all we have comes from your gracious provisions and keep us faithful when we have more than we need, that we would be generous in our tithes and offerings and in our assistance of those who, whose help who need help. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Bless the relief agencies of our Senate and all other groups who provide relief and aid to those in need. Let compassion and mercy be their guiding light and give them wisdom and discernment to those who administer these agencies, that their use of resources would be wise and beneficial. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Bless our president, our governor, all those who make and administer our laws and all judges that they might serve our country faithfully and make decisions with wisdom. Defend all who serve in our military as well as our health care workers and first responders. Give courage to both them and their families. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Support and strengthen those who are sick or suffering. The family of Robert Coughlin, 
the family of Pat Solt, and the family of Jack McMongyle, for Diane, and for Denise, Ruth, and Bob, for Rhonda, and Steve, and Laura, for David, Chris, Shirley, and Carol, and for Patricia, for Nico, for Larry, for David, Elaine, and Larry, for Reverend Gary Dork, for Paul, for Dick, Teresa, Paul, and William, for Kurt, and Bill, and Ed, Mary Allen, and Joni, and Bob, and be with our shut-ins, Olga, Lorraine, Anne, and Doris, and watch over the women of our congregation and others who are awaiting great joy with children, Heidi and Maria and Laura. In the midst of their trials, keep them always focused upon Christ and the everlasting hope they have in him. And if it be your will, restore them to physical health and strength. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks to you, Heavenly Father, for the great gift of your Son, Jesus, has given in his holy supper as we join together with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven and land in lauding and praising you. Lift up our hearts that we would rightly receive Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of our sin. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and all places give thanks to you, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God, for the countless blessings you so freely bestow on us and all creation. Above all, we give thanks for your boundless love shown to us when you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our flesh and laid on him our sin, giving him into death that we might not die eternally, because he is now risen from the dead and lives and reigns to all eternity, all who believe in him will overcome sin and death and will rise again to new life. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of all creation, for you have had mercy on us and given your only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In your righteous judgment you condemned the sin of Adam and Eve who ate the forbidden fruit, and you justly barred them and all their children from the tree of life. Yet in your great mercy you promised salvation by a second Adam, your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and made his cross a life-giving tree for all who trust in him. We give you thanks for the redemption you have prepared for us through Jesus Christ. 
Grant us your Holy Spirit that we may faithfully eat and drink of the fruits of his cross and receive the blessings of forgiveness, life, and salvation that come to us in his body and blood. Hear us as we pray in his name and as he has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
Now may the body and blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you steadfast and body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace and with great joy. Your sins are forgiven. Amen. pray. We give thanks to you, Almighty God, that you have refreshed us through this salutary gift, and we implore you that of your mercy you would strengthen us through the same in faith toward you and in fervent love toward one another. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen.